set the church on fire this morning. Now, when I say that, what comes to your mind? Do you, do you know what I mean? Do you, are you thinking that maybe we need to go out and we need to, we need to get a match and some kind of accelerant and uh, hoard it on the church and light it on fire? Is that what we're talking about? Actually stepping outside and watching the building burn to the ground? Or am I talking about the enthusiasm that could fill the people and fill these walls? When I think of something on fire, when you do, we may think of something different. We may think of some of the same things, but you know, when I was thinking about this sermon, something on fire, I, 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 I have a lot, of, a lot of things that come to mind. I remember the Waverly, Tennessee propane disaster in, in 1978. I was 12 years old. I remember seeing pictures as a boy, of napalm being dropped in the jungle on TV. Of course, we all remember the recent forest fires out west where hundreds of homes were destroyed, thousands of people were displaced. Most all of us, except for maybe the very young, remember what happened on 9-11 just a few years ago. When I think of fire, I think of hell. I think of hell. So it, it's a little ironic to say, let's set the church on fire, isn't it? It's a little, a little ironic to say that and, and mean something positive by it. I mean, you look up at the phrase, you look up the, look up the phrase on fire. There's an online urban dictionary. There's an online dictionary, but there's also an online urban dictionary. Dictionary, and you can go on there and you can look up the phrase on fire, and it means a lot of different things. Do you know it can mean someone who is very homosexual on fire? He's or she is on fire. It can also mean that someone is very attractive. Some of the younger guys, they might say, That girl, she's on fire. You got to say it like that. She's on fire. But you'd also say the same thing about the unstoppable point guard, wouldn't you? Who's shooting three after three after three. You'd also say the same thing about the golfer who scored birdie after birdie after eagle after birdie. He's on fire. You, you might also say that about the Braves yesterday or, or the 110-yard run back on the opening kickoff. That guy was on fire. He was doing great. As with much in American language, sometimes bad is good, isn't it? <laughs> Something so bad and harmful and scary like fire can also be good and awesome. To be on fire for God, though, what do I mean? What do I mean by being on fire for God? What do I mean by being on, on fire for Jesus? What could you tell me? For this church to be on fire, how could we accomplish this? The church is the people, right? So are you on fire? What I mean is, do you have enough, do you have enough zeal 
and enthusiasm to help create here at Fountainhead an environment of zealous love, zealous growth, zealous commitment. And if you, if you don't, will you allow yourself to be set on fire today? Paul wrote in Romans chapter 12 that we are to present ourselves to God as a living sacrifice. Now, what do you need for a sacrifice? Isaac knew. Genesis 22. Isaac knew exactly what was needed for a sacrifice. Isaac didn't know that his father Abraham was about to use him as the burnt offering. He didn't know that God had told Abraham to go to the place that he would show him and, 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 and sacrifice his only son. In Genesis 22, all Isaac knew was they were going to a place to worship and that meant offering a sacrifice. And Isaac, he went to that place with his father knowing what it took to offer a proper sacrifice. He asked his father, Genesis 22, verse 7, Look, here's the fire, here's the wood, where's the lamb? Here's the fire, father, here's the wood, father, where's the lamb? 4,000 years later, we can ask ourselves this same line of questioning. We've got the wood, the cross of Jesus Christ. We've got the lamb, Jesus himself, where's the fire? Where's the fire? Where is our enthusiasm? Where's our zeal? Where's our love for God? Where's our our love for each other? Where's our love for the lost? We live in a world full of, of ignorance of Jesus and His love for us and what He did for us. We've got the cross. We've got the Lamb. Where's our fire? Where's our sacrifice? As I said, we live in a time of ignorance. We live in a world full of ignorance. But, 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 but we must be, Matthew 5, 16, the light of the world, a candle burning bright for all to see. And we must walk as children of the light, Ephesians 5, verses 8 through 11, because so many are ignorant of God's ways. So many have a zeal without knowledge. Romans chapter 10, verse 2. And it's up to us to, to show them a more excellent way, 1 Corinthians 13. It's up, for, it's up to us to explain the way of God more accurately, Acts chapter 18, verse 26. A zealous love for God is a powerful thing. We've got to transition from this, this state of ignorance into a, into a zealous love. It's more powerful than dynamite, the zealous love. It's more contagious than the flu. It has the power to cause oceans to be crossed, buildings to be built, and people to be influenced. A zealous love for God and what He wants will set this church on fire. God intended for Christians to be on fire and to work in the body of Christ. And it takes zeal for this to exist. Zeal in each and every one of us to love God with with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our mind, with all our being, with all our self. 
We must, church, we must have a zealous love for the things of God. Because so many, the majority, they, they just don't care. They just don't care. We live in a very apathetic time in so many ways. You know, one month ago, one month ago I sent out one of these tracks to every denomination in Portland. And I included this note with each and every letter. Just the track and this little note. It said this, Hello, this is not an attempt to make fun of you or be mean to you, but to start a sincere discussion about the differences and similarities we might share. I urge you to read the track and use it to start an open Bible study with me. You can call me and we can work out a time. I hope this is the start of at least a friendship. Thanks for your time, Chad Loveless, preacher, and my cell phone number. You know, how many do you think I had? Call me. Zero. No one. Did y'all read the letter I put in the newspaper this week? Let me read it to you. To the editor. My name is Chad Loveless. I believe I could be a vital, active, and staunch supporter of any religious group if I was convinced they were right. This is a challenge to the religious community in Portland to explain to me why they believe their religious group is right. And if you can convince me, I'll make sure that me and my family of six join your religious group. This is not an empty promise, nor is it an attempt to berate or make fun or make enemies or fuss. I want anyone to come to me and explain why they believe the way they believe. I will be respectful and I will listen. I will be an active listener, which means I may ask questions, so be ready to give answers. But I will be gracious in that if I ask a question and they don't know the answer, I will allow them to get back to me with the answer at a later date. I only ask that they do the same for me. Imagine converting a preacher in the Church of Christ to their religious group. I can be contacted by email to set up a, a Bible study. And there's my email and my phone number and my, and my address. That, was, that came out Wednesday. Guess how many people have called me and emailed me? Zero. That makes me sad. That people don't care enough about me as just a person to make sure I know their truth. That makes me really sad. It should make you sad too because we live in a world filled with apathy. And I don't care. Attitude. That's so hurtful and lonely, isn't it? An atheist in a small town, he, he never went to the only church in town. He never darkened the door. Till one day... The church building caught on fire and the whole town, they rushed to aid the firefighters and 
in putting out the church building. Even the atheists, even the atheists went and grabbed a bucket full of water and started to put the fire out. And somebody said, why are you coming to help the church now? You've never darkened the door before. And he said, well, I never saw the church on fire before. We've got to be on fire. So many, even in the church, are like the one talent man of Matthew 25. Verse 14, who went and hid his talent, afraid he might lose it. So he just never used it. So many in the church are filled with apathy, filled with a lack of interest or concern for the important things of God. No emotion, no passion, no zeal for the lost. So many are like the Laodicean church in Revelation chapter 3, Verse 14, neither hot nor cold, they're lukewarm. Are we on fire? Are we on fire? Would would they pull the fire alarm here at Fountainhead? Would the smoke detector even go off? The instructions on a fire extinguisher. If you go back, look at the one in the hallway right there. The instructions on a fire extinguisher say this. To pull the pin and, and, and squirt the, the, the contents at the base of the fire. Y'all are the base of this fire. Have you been extinguished? Has somebody put you out? Has somebody used some kind of a fire extinguisher and put you out? Somebody helped you allow your fire to fizzle. Who put it out? Who did that to you? God never intended for His people to be a group of inactive, lukewarm people. Never did. He intended that we should be dynamic, wide awake, zealous for growth. Instead of apathetic, we must be zealous for growth. We have never before had such a great opportunity as we have right now to carry the gospel of Jesus Christ to the lost. We have an opportunity right now to carry the gospel of Christ into an apathetic world. This opportunity may never come again. We may never have this opportunity again. Now is the time to be on fire for God and doing His work. The greatest mistake you, they, you may very well make. The greatest mistake you may very well make now is to do nothing. The Christian life in a doomed world, that's real. It's all around us. Apathy, the I don't care attitude about the growth of the church is the most dangerous thing facing the base of our fire here at Fountainhead. And we must not put this fire out ourselves. We can't. An example of a church on fire is found in Acts chapter 4. If you'll turn there. Peter and John, they've been arrested and were ordered not to preach in the name of Jesus anymore. In verse 23... And being let go, they went to their own companions and reported all that the chief priests 
And the elders said to them, now notice a church on fire for God. Verse 24, so when they heard, they raised their voice to God with one accord and said, Lord, you are God who made heaven and earth and sea and all that's in them. Notice how they praised God. And in verse 25 and 26, their prayer includes a passage of scripture written by David. A church on fire is a praying church. A church on fire is a church that's grounded in scripture. A church on fire works with God's plan. Look at, look at verses 27 and 28. For truly against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, with the Gentiles and the people of Israel, were gathered together to do whatever your hand and your purpose determined beforehand to be done. You see, you see it's not about us. It's about God. It's about what He wants. It, 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 a church on fire recognizes this and just like we sing none of self and all of thee you know we sing that song none of self got all of thee we should verse 29 pray for God's help verse 30 pray for success in this venture verse 31 they this church on fire they spoke the word of God with boldness and verses 32 through 35 they were they were one in their zeal they were as one they were zealous, zealous to love. They were zealous to grow. And we can be just like them. We can be just like them. When we at Fountainhead realize the great importance of the word of truth in relation to the souls of men, We'll be ready. We'll eliminate the do-nothing attitude. The religion of Christ is a taught religion. It's not just something you just get through your skin. It's not something you get by birth. It's a taught religion. The religion of Christ... You know, it's not just the preacher. It's not just the elders. It's each and every individual here has got to do their part. Individual Christians must become interested and enthused about the work of the church, zealous to see the church grow. Then we'll see much done. Then we'll see much done. When each and every individual is ready. God has entrusted so much into our hands. Into our hands, the gospel is given. Into our hands is given the light. Haste, let us carry God's precious message, guiding the who? The airy. Back to the right. Are we going to fail? Well, for some, that's the hold back. Failure. We've tried that. We've done that. We've said that. We've mailed that. We've called them. We've invited them. We've had this. We've used that. It's all been done before. We have done a lot. We have done a lot here at Fountainhead. So much is, was done before I got here. So much was done here before I was born. 
So much is going on right now. Do not stop. Do not slow down. Be zealous in your commitment to God. Be on fire. Be zealous in your love. Be zealous in your growth. Be zealously committed to the life of a Christian. You remember Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You remember them, right? They were not afraid to be on fire for God. They were three friends of Daniel the prophet, three Jews who obeyed God rather than men in Daniel 3. And in verse 17, they were not afraid to be on fire for God literally. They said, our God is able to deliver us when when Nebuchadnezzar was going to throw them into the furnace. And they said, and they walked with God's help, it says, into the midst of the fire unhurt. We, like all the faithful, do not need to be afraid to commit our whole lives to God, our very beings to God. Look, Peter writes, 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, The Lord knows how to deliver the godly out of temptations. And we need to have this confidence, committed zeal in God, that His plan is going to work out. The same committed zeal that Elijah had. You remember Elijah in 1 Kings chapter 18. The people of Israel had turned aside again from God and worshipped Baal. So Elijah called all the people together at Mount Carmel and he, the, the 450 prophets of Baal. And he asked the people, he said this, How long will you falter between two opinions? The religion of Baal was one of those religions that promoted ignorance. It promoted apathy. It promoted fear in the people of God. Elijah said, how long are you going to flip-flop? Verse 21, if the Lord is God, follow Him. But if Baal, follow Him. Hot or cold. Get off the fence. But look at the ambivalent attitude of the people. Verse 21, they answered Elijah, they answered him, not a word. Elijah called for two bulls to be sacrificed. He said, you prophets of of Baal, you build an altar. You put wood on the altar. You put this sacrifice. You cut up this bull. You put it on the altar. And you you offer a sacrifice to God. Don't put any fire on it. You, You pray to your God. You pray to Baal. And you ask Baal to send fire down and set this sacrifice on fire. And they prayed all day long. They hollered and cut themselves all day. It says in verse 29, there was no voice. No one answered. No one paid attention. They had the wood. They had the sacrifice. Where was the fire? Where was the fire? 
Elijah built an altar in the name of the Lord. He put wood on it. He cut up the sacrifice, it says, and it, he, he laid it on the altar. And he told some, he told some to take four water pot, pots, and he told them to fill them full of water and pour those on the altar. And then he told them to do it a second time. And then he told them to do it a third time. There was so much water on this sacrifice, so much water on the wood and the altar that it, that it, it ran down and filled the trench that was around the altar. It was full of water, filled with water, covered with water. And Elijah prayed. He prayed this. Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known this day that you are God in Israel and I am your servant and that I have done all these things according to your word. Hear me, O Lord. Hear me that this people may know that you are the Lord God and that you have turned their hearts back to you again and fire from God fell from heaven and consumed the whole altar. It was all wet, known fire. It was all wet and on fire. If you're ready to be all wet and on fire, be baptized today. We've got the wood. We've got the sacrifice. Fountainhead, we just need the fire. We just need the fire. Zealously love. Zealously grow. Zealously commit. Let's set the church on fire. Be on fire this morning as we stand and sing.